the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Now let's come to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 12 to 14. Now we have received. Let's read it together. One go. Now we have received... Oh, I can hear you. One go. Now you personalize it. Maybe that may be make more meaning to you. Now I have not the spirit of a world, but the spirit which is of God, that I might. Now I have received. Good. Which things also, which also, which things also I? Is it not interesting? Look at what the Bible says. He said that we might know the things which are freely given to us by God. Which things also I speak? The things that God has given you, you have to speak about them. Which things also I speak you have to speak about them then he says not in words which man's wisdom teach it but which the Holy Ghost did what teach it comparing oh follow me comparing uh huh but the natural man for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Somebody say, I know them. Because I can discern spiritual things. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Alright, so we began a teaching series about two months or three months ago, and we've been looking at Living as a spiritual man. Abi, is that it? Living as a spiritual man. And we began by laying the foundation that there are three kinds of people in the world. We have the natural man and we have the spiritual man. In fact, there are two major kinds of people in the world. We have the spiritual man and we have the natural man. But when you come to church and you don't decide that you are going to be spiritual, you can also create another type of a personality. That God did not imagine or God did not plan for you to be. Are you with me here? When you get born again, you have been set on a track for spiritual growth and development. Somebody say spiritual growth and development. Once you get born again, that's a part you are on. You are supposed to grow spiritually. You are supposed to become a spiritual man. The process to becoming a spiritual man begins when a person gets born again. But when that process, you don't follow through, you can end up becoming something that you are originally not intended to become. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And there are many people who have become something originally they were not intended to become. And that's what the Bible calls the carnal man. Somebody say the carnal man. Alright, so we talked about these three categories of people. And now we are looking at the spiritual man. Somebody say the spiritual man. The spiritual man is very, very, very important. And if I want to talk about why you need to become a spiritual man, I cannot finish talking. Every good thing that you have in Christ, you can only assess it when you become spiritual. Every good thing. 
And spirituality is so important that it does not just affect your relationship with God, but it affects your relationship with other people. It affects your relationship with yourself. It affects your relationship with other people. It affects how you respond to life situations and challenges. Spirituality is key. Somebody say it's key. Somebody say it's key. So what is the pathway to becoming a spiritual person? How will I know? Now, by the way, being in church does not translate to spirituality. It's a, a very important part of the process, but that does not translate to spirituality. So you can meet somebody in church who can really, really give you an attitude. Somebody say an attitude. Yeah. When it's very, very what we call it an attitude. People have some attitude. You see, <laughs> you are too Ghanaians. Now listen. So, being in church does not. You can actually be in church for years, and there will be no display of spirituality around you. I mean, in the church of Corinth, very powerful church, there were people who were there when Paul started the church, but they were not spiritual at all, at all. And listen, spirituality is an intentional process. Somebody say intentional process. Nobody becomes a scholar without deciding to become one. Nobody becomes a mechanic without deciding to become one. Nobody becomes a doctor without deciding to become one. Nobody becomes a better husband without deciding to become one. Nobody becomes spiritual without deciding that I'm going to be spiritual. It begins with a decision. And when that decision is made, there are other things that must follow in order for you to be spiritual. Praise God. And so we've been exploring some attributes of a spiritual man and we said, amongst many things, a spiritual man is a man of knowledge. Somebody say a man of knowledge. knowledge. You cannot become spiritual in ignorance. You cannot become spiritual in what? Ignorance. No. The spiritual man knows things. They know a lot of things. And amongst some important things they know is the fact that they know who they are in Christ. Somebody say, I know who I am in Christ. Say it, I know who I am in Christ. Okay, so if you do know who you are in Christ, who are you in Christ? Oh, talk to me. Who are you in Christ? You are a new creation. Somebody say, I'm a new creation. Uh-huh. So you are a new creation. You are a child of God. And then you are what? You are redeemed. You've been bought with a price. And then beyond knowing who you are, you need to know what you have. Somebody say, what I have. Say, what I have. Uh-huh. So in Christ Jesus, what are the things you have? You have justification. Somebody say, I have justification. Somebody say, I have peace with God. Somebody say, I have boldness before God. Somebody say, I have freedom. How many of you know that you are free in Christ? You don't have to allow yourself to be brought into bondage. Praise God. In Christ, you are free. Somebody say, I am free. Oh, say it with an attitude. I am free. Say, I am attitude. Say, I am free. With a positive attitude, I am free. Praise the Lord. You are free. Praise God. Freedom is what you have. Now, let me show you something. Let me show you something that will help you. John chapter 8, verse 36. John chapter 8, verse 36. You are free. Are you there? If for, so if the sun sets you free. Somebody say, if the sun sets me free. You are truly you are truly, free. you are truly, free. has the sun set you free? Yes. Then you are truly, free. somebody say, I'm truly free. I'm truly free. Say it aloud, I'm truly free. I'm truly free. Wow. Say, I am, free. I am free. Okay, you are free. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You are free. Under the Old Testament, they were supposed to observe a lot of things. A lot of laws. A lot of laws. If you were eating, you have to wash your hands. Of course, I mean, uh, uh, even in our context, those who eat with their hands, if you are eating, it's proper that 
hygienic purposes, but there were many, 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 many rules. Many, many rules. If you're a woman at a certain time of the, night, uh, the, of the month, you may not have to appear before God. I mean, all kinds of rules. Certain people could not appear before God. All manner of rules. But in Christ Jesus, the law is broken and then we are free. Somebody say, I'm free. It is Dr. Nkrumah who spoke and said, Ghana is free forever. Somebody say, I am free forever. Oh, you are not saying it the way I want you to say it. Now, let, let me show you something. First Peter 2 verse 16. 2 verse 16. It looks like some people are afraid of what I will say next. <laughs> Maybe those who are in first service. <laughs> they are careful. Leave us what? Oh, live as what? Live as what? You have to be free. If there is someone who must be free, he's a child of God. There are some places where you go, you are not free. You are not free at all. Some churches, when you enter, you come without a, a headgear. They will bring you one. Put it on. You are not free at all. You are not free at all. In fact, there are some places they will actually tell you what length of skirt you must wear. You are not free at all. Somebody say you are not free at all. You are not free. You are not free. You are not free. Are not free. But now you are free. Amen. Somebody say now I'm free. Good. I want to tell you something about freedom. Freedom is a very, very good thing. If you doubt freedom is not good, ask some of those people that were recently arrested for the short time that they were kept behind bars. You can ask Shatawali. <laughs> I know when he came out, he was shouting and saying some things. But when he was behind bars, I don't think that was the experience at all. And if you meet Prophet Ousu you can ask him. Oh, there's one called Jesus Ahonfe. I listened to his interview after, afterwards. I said, wow. When people have liberty, they can do some things, walk some way, talk some way, and they forget that it costs a lot to be free. The church has always been on one of two extremes consistently. It's either we bring people under straight bondage. Do this, do that, do that do that. You know, there's a, a particular haircut. If somebody brings it in now, before probably you heard what I'm teaching, you will look at the person with a certain attitude. Oh, come on. How many people are here? Even now, as I'm speaking, there are some of you. If somebody walks in here with his two ears pierced, immediately you are likely to acquire the way you are and I brought with you Is that not how we look at people? Oh, please talk to me. That's how we look at people. The moment the person appears, immediately you are blacklisted the person. When somebody comes with a tattoo and let pastor give him the mic to come and uh, say a word, how would you think? And the pastor, why not be now altar? He's desecrating the altar. Am I communicating here? Listen, you see, we want to build a mature church. We want you to grow up and mature because. What I'm going to be talking about or where we'll be reading, I mean, I will not be doing much of the talking. I'll be doing much of reading. And then I'll allow the word of God to talk to you. Now, there are things that we've grown up with. We have practiced some of them. But it does not necessarily mean that that is God's standard. And you need to understand it. Because, you see, if you grow up thinking that if somebody has Rasta, Rastafarian hair, then obviously that person is uh, he cannot be used by God at all. Then you can't go very far anywhere in the world. Yeah, in Ghana is where people cut their hair in some way, but there are some other places people leave their hair in a very strange manner. So if you're thinking your idea of spirituality and Christianity is either headgear, length of skirt, or uh, the nature of uh, earring you wear, you have, you have actually brought yourself under huge... In fact, you have brought yourself under bondage again. Amen? You have brought yourself under bondage. 
Understand this. When the Bible says live as free people, that's what he's talking about. Live as what? Free people. But he throws a caution that don't use your freedom as a cover up for evil, but live as God sleeps. That's a paradox. Do you see the paradox? There's a paradox there. Live as free people, but as God's slaves. It's a very tight balancing act. How you can, on one hand, live as a free person, and then, on another hand, live as God's slave. It's a very tight. Because as we know a slave is not a free person. A slave, you sleep when they say sleep, wake up, you wake up. I mean, that's, that's who we are. But you see, the first freedom he's talking about is where you are given a certain set of laws and rules to function within. Because there are some people, if you don't tell them to wear something, they can even come to church with a dress only. <laughs> because some people can stretch their freedom very well. By the time you come back, pastor is preaching them. By the time you turn, hey, you don't know what, whether it's Brazilian carnival they are doing or something else. So, we can't tell you not to wear skirt that goes at a set no. We can't do that. We can't tell you not to pierce your ears. If you so desire, I mean, if it makes you fine and you think that it makes you smart, that's cool. If tattoo is something that you fancy, really, it doesn't make any difference. The Bible is going to talk about it. It's not to me who is saying it. You are free to do virtually any of those things. But you must also understand that as free as you are, you are also a slave of God. Now, the first limitation on your freedom was that which was externally placed on you. This second one is one that is internally placed on you. Internally. The first one is that which is imposed by law. The other one is one which is motivated by love. Now, I want you to follow the readings I'm going to be doing. Look at this. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians. Now, if you know anything about the books of the Bible, Galatians, the subject of the book of Galatians is virtually like liberty. Liberty. The liberty of, because Paul dealt with the law and grace, essentially. And he talk, spoke extensively about liberty. Then he says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Somebody say, I'm called to freedom. I'm called to what? Freedom. Then he says, just make sure. Somebody say, make sure. make sure. Say, make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse. Oh, talk to me. You do whatever and to destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Are you following what I'm teaching here? Now, so you are free. You can wear anything. You are free. We don't have to give you any specific haircut or whatever. But the Bible says, in the use of your freedom, be guided by a law. And that law is not an external law. It's the law of love. It's the law of love. He said, be guided by the law of love. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. That's, the questions are just throughout in the air about whether somebody can wear a tattoo, whether somebody... Those were the questions these guys sent uh, and they were asking Peter. And for this, it wasn't a tattoo. In our modern day, we can look at tattoo and all of those things. But this was meat offered to idols. Now look at this. Now about food sacrifice to idols. We know. Somebody say, we know. We know. He said, we know that we all possess knowledge. Now this is not what Paul is saying. This is what the Corinthians are telling Paul. He said, Paul, we know that we all possess knowledge. So forget about this. We all know that an idol is nothing. So when this has to do with food offered to idols. Now listen, the context of this is that there were some people who could eat food offered to idols. And there were other people, when you ate food offered to idols, they felt that you are, you are not a Christian. Yeah. They said you are not a Christian. Just like when you maybe you are comfortable with uh, having your hair cut down. Another person is comfortable having a rasta, a decent rasta on his hair. And you, who has cut your hair down, you rise up in judgment and say, hey, that hair you are cutting, you can't come to church with that kind of hair. It's not right. Now, imagine that he too turns to you and tells you the way your hair is cut down 
it's not right to come to church. What will happen? Immediately there is what? There is what? There is conflict. And that's what was going on in the Corinthian church. So there was division. Paul said there is division. Dissensions all over the place because of matters like this. Now he says food concept, offered food. But we know knowledge. But knowledge pops up while love builds up. Now listen. Paul is saying here, listen. I know you know that it doesn't matter whatever we eat. But you see, this your knowledge will make you puff up. There is one thing that is important that does not just help you. You know, when you know something, sometimes you find it difficult why people don't even understand that. I mean, why can't you understand that? This is food. What is in the food? This food was offered to idols. So what? The Bible said everything is good if it be sanctified with prayer and thanksgiving. So what's, what's the big deal? But if you are only thinking about what you know, you will forget that there are other people who may not have that kind of knowledge. So he says, when you deal with knowledge only, you will be puffed up. But when you begin to think about love, you begin to build other people up. And we are going to see the difference as we go now. Go to verse number four. Maybe we can do the amplified version because I think I'm enjoying the amplified version. Give me the amplified version of that. Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all have knowledge concerning this matter. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteous, arrogant, but love that is unselfishly seeks the best of others, builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. Do you see the difference? Now, I want you to understand this very well because in your life, you have the opportunity to make a lot of decisions about things that are not clearly written in Bible. Is it wrong? Is it right? Can I do this? Should I not do this? This is all about decision making. In our lives, we will come face to face with many of such things. And what you will come to realize is that the more you grow with God, the more you yourself, you strain yourself from doing certain things. There are things that may not be seen as it were, but based on the extent of your relationship with God, you gradually will refrain from them. And when you decide not to do something, or by reason of your revelation and your understanding of God, you decide not to do it, and somebody else is doing it, be careful you don't jump to condemn the person. That's what Paul is talking about here. Verse 2. If anyone imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matters. Now, Paul is talking about food offered to idols. He's not started discussing the subject. But he's laying up a very important foundation, which you must get. He said, if anyone imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matters, without love, he has not yet known as he ought to know. So, when you claim you know something, and what you know is you are not working in love because of what you know, you are already in error. Because the true knowledge, he goes to, to verse 3, look at this, verse 3. But if anyone loves God with an all-filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude, he is known by him as his very own and his greatly loved. Verse 4. Let's read verse 4 together. In this matter dead of eating food offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. It has no... And the, are you following now? So Paul is now set to address the matter. He lays the foundation. That when it comes to matters of spirituality, knowledge is great, but love is better. Somebody say knowledge is great, but love is better. That is why the measure of a person's spirituality is not determined by his knowledge. It's determined by his love work. That's why. Somebody can know so much and his love work is so bad. God is not knowledge. God is love. And by this all men shall know you are my disciples indeed. Not because you have knowledge, but you have love one for another. Are you following what I'm teaching here? Look at this. Verse 5. He says, For even there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Look at verse 6. He says, Yet for us there is but, but, and the Father, who is the source of all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things that have been created, and we believers exist and have a life and have been redeemed through him. Please follow this. I've told you that we will be doing a lot of reading so that you can have a better appreciation from a scriptural perspective. Look at that. Verse 7. However, oh please, 
However, not all not all believers have so he's addressing believers now. Here he's addressing believers. Not all believers have this knowledge. But some have been accustomed throughout their lives to the thinking of an idol until now. As a real a living, still eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol. And because of their because their conscience is weak, it is defiled and ashamed. Go to verse number eight. I like this point. He said, Now food. We are no worse off if we do not eat, nor are we. That's all. When we are making arguments and debates, should we uh, put a boy in our head? Is this a boy they call it? Uh-huh. Should, can I have a tattoo? Can I have all of those things? The Bible says none of those things doesn't affect you in any way. Are you with me here? Yeah. It doesn't affect you in any way. It doesn't. Your spirituality is not affected by your tattoo. Because God is not a, a flesh. God is a spirit. And somebody can be wearing tattoo, his heart is purer before God. Than somebody who is uh, all holy and all clean. Are you with me here? That's what Paul is talking here. He said, you see, the bottom line is that it doesn't affect our relationship with God in any way. Now, if it doesn't affect our relationship with God in any way, what's the big deal then? I think it's a legitimate question. What's the big deal? Why then should I now be uh, put limits on myself? Verse number nine. Verse number nine. He said, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, that's where it comes in. Are you following what I'm teaching here? It's okay. You can take a tattoo on your body. You can decide to do whatever. You, you don't have a problem with it. But the Bible said it goes beyond you. It goes beyond what? Yeah. You cannot, you cannot just, oh, that's what I want to do. I'm okay. I'm cool with it. I, can, I want to wear hot pants to church. I'm cool with it. It's fine. You're cool with it. And we agree you're cool with it. But it's not just about you being cool. There's a brother who got born again three weeks ago. Who, when he sees your hot pants, there will be resurrection of dried bones. So he says, Paul said, when you pick up that hot pants and you are excited and you really want to wear it, don't just think about how you will look, how smart, and how your figure will come out. Just think about that brother also. So here, it's not like come to church and the church will make a law. Are you with me here? That's why when you walk in love, the Bible says you fulfill the law. Because when you walk in love, you put the interest of others above your own interest. Now continue. Verse number 10. He said, For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, wouldn't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? Now look at this. So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your now please take note of that he says this person Christ died and shed his blood for him and your knowledge should not affect him praise the Lord now listen when we understand how our attitude and our behaviors affect one another in the kingdom we'll be very mindful praise God we'll be mindful I mean you you pick up uh, let's say uh, Audrey or Presla, or Jane, and then you destroy her reputation, you speak very bad about her. And people who respected them before, all of a sudden, they don't even have regard for them. Bible says, when you do that, one of the things you need to do is that you are not sinning against them. You are sinning against Christ. Praise God. That's how serious it is. So when you come to church, you pick up a matter and you are gossiping about people, Every sin we commit against one another, we do it against Christ. Look at that. So this week, brother, go to verse 12. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against who? Christ. Now go to verse 13. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Yes. He said, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will. Yes. I will sometimes. No. I will. I may. This poor guy, he was, he was too much. He said, if what I will eat 
will cause my brother to become offended. I will never. I will never. I will never. <laughs> Are you with me here? Eh? I say I like pork. And when you eat pork, somebody's salvation is on the line. Then say, as for me, Papa, pork, they are, I can't stop eating it. <laughs> That's what the Bible said. Do not destroy the work of God because of your stomach. Yeah, in the book of Romans. Don't destroy one whom God died for. Now listen. So Paul talks to them about this. And then he begins to talk, use himself as an example. So let's go to chapter 9. Chapter 9. I told you today I will just read the Bible to you. Because I have been telling you people to be read. Reading First Corinthians. You are not reading it. So I'll read it with you here. Yeah. And make sure, oh, yes, please make sure nobody sleeps here. Yeah. When I'm shouting and breaking my throat, you don't uh, listen. Now we are all reading it together. He said, this is Paul is speaking here. Paul is speaking. He said, I've just spoken to you about how you use your freedom. And then he comes to you. He said, am I not free? He's asking them, am I not free? Answer me. Am I not free? He said, am I not an apostle? Oh, answer me now. Yes. <laughs> he said, am I not an Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Now, Paul is just establishing his authority. And I want you to follow it closely. Paul was a lawyer and his presentation was always tight. Now he says, even though I may not be an apostle to anybody. Surely, I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Now, go to verse 3. He said, this is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Now, do you remember what he said in the other one? He talked about right there. Do you remember? Now, he's talking about it. He said, don't we have the right to food and drink, say you do. I do. Not you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now he says, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us and ask us do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and see first. He said, listen, let me tell you something, you guys. Me to have a right to marry you. The way uh, Peter and James and others have married and when we are going for missionary trips, they carry their wives with them. Me too, Apostle Paul, I can do the same thing. Yes, That's what he said. I have the right to do it. Now, follow it closely because we are getting into something. I just have three points for all the teaching I'm going to do. But get this, because most of the time, uh, people come to church and we make it very difficult for them to stay in church. Because we are either too condemning or we are, we are too judgmental of their attitudes and they are not able to stay in church. And for anybody who leaves church because of your judgmental attitude, you have to be mindful because you, you will give account someday. Are you following what I'm teaching here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day where we have some tattoo guys in the choir and they are freely singing. Say amen. Yeah. Hey, hey, Pastor, I hope it's all sorry in my hand. See, see this, this, is, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm working on. In fact, you, you, because you are thinking like that, that's why I'm doing this teaching. Uh, Pastor, now then I sorry about your bumpire. Somebody came to my office and said something like that. I don't know. Oh, people said things to me in the office. Oh. That office, that's why I don't need a bigger one. Because if I... <laughs> no, no, no. That's my small office. The things people have told me in that office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They come and tell me how they think church should be run. Somebody came and said, yeah, Pastor, if uh, people who lead the choir, if you don't let them put on, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Headgear. The Holy Ghost will not descend like the way he comes to that church. And he mentioned a certain church. I said, Madam, if the Holy Ghost will not come here the way he comes there, and you want the Holy Ghost to come here like the way he comes there, then go there. 
Me too, I can say something too. You see, you see, you see. No, no, listen. Me, when you come, first of all, when anybody I meet, the first thing I want to do is whether you want to learn. Huh. I have a strong gift of teaching. That's my gift. Uh-huh. And I'm very excited about that. And so I look for every opportunity to give people knowledge. But if you come and instead of me teaching you, you want to teach me, I'll let you know we are not on the same level. Praise the Lord. Yeah, because you are even talking about things you don't even understand yourself. One of them like that. Praise the Lord. One person came and spoke with him and later I realized that he's cool. He's in service. Now as I'm preaching, he's looking at me. <laughs> but the other person there, <laughs> yeah. and honestly, I don't want to pastor a person like that. Because you see, as you not change the word of God for you, you should change your life to fit the word of God. That's it. There are some people when they come to church and a particular subject is mentioned, they feel that they are being targeted. You are not born again. I, I can't pastor somebody like that. So because of you, I should never mention that subject. Yeah. I remember some, some I think about four or five years ago, somebody came to my office after one Sunday service and was like, ah, pastor, today, uh, the way you are talking, it was as if you are talking about my marriage situation. Because he had divorced. Yeah. So when we finished, I told him, Mr. Man, I think, and he, he was an elderly person to some extent. So. <laughs> and I was like, and you know, because the church is young, and not young, but we have a lot of youthful people inside. So he thinks that every, I said, listen, okay, some of these young people here, yeah, some of them are divorced, you don't even know. You think you are the only divorcee in this church? Oh, this year, there we are. We have just started that, you know. But we are, we are actually going to do the work very well from next year. Yeah, because I mean, these things are supposed to be foundational teachings to shape our mindset as a church. The newness we are talking about. This is where it starts from. Our mentality. Our mentality. Our mentality. How do I even receive from the, the ministry of my pastor? A lot of people don't know how to receive the, from the ministry of a pastor. Let's continue. We are all reading together. Uh, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. So go. Uh, he said, "Or oh, is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right?" No. Go to verse five. I think the verse five. We didn't finish there. Verse five. Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as other apostles? And go to verse six. Now he said, "Or oh, is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to work for a living?" Now because. Paul was a tent maker. So he produced tents and then uh, got money out of it and was not uh, receiving salary from the church or uh, was not taking anything from the church. And the other apostles who came, when they come to town, Pastor Ray, what they will eat, what they will drink, where they will sleep, every bit of that, even pure water, they will let you pay for it. (laughs) The other apostles, that's what they were doing. And you see, he's going to talk about this because you see, sometimes people stay in church and they don't understand church. He says, go to verse number seven. Who serves as a soldier? This is where he defended the point. Who serves as a soldier? Because when I said that, I'm sure some of you are thinking, oh, so pastor, you too, what are you doing? Are you getting paid or you are also working for free? He said, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard? And does not eat its grapes. Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Okay? He's just giving you uh, illustrations. Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? Okay? So Paul establishes. He said, What I'm telling you, don't think that it's from my own imagination. If you think that it is from my own imagination, I want you to know that in the law, the same thing is stated. Now, at the time he was writing this, they didn't have any other thing but the law. The most authoritative thing they had at the time was the law. Now, he goes to verse number 9. For it is written in the law. He's quoting now. 
Somebody say quote. Yeah. It's written. He quote. He said, for it is written in the law of Moses, do not muscle an ox when it is treading out the crown. Is it about using that God is concerned about? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes. This was written for us because whoever plants and treasures should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the in the harvest what in the harvest then he said if we have sown spiritual seed among you is it is it too much if you receive oh let's go is it too much if you receive reap a material harvest from you i won't talk about this if others have this right uh that is why sometimes i tell you let me go and talk about 11 that's why I tell you that don't you come to my office. Don't just bring issues. When you come, bring money. And the issues that you'd have talked to me about, those issues will be taken care of without talking to me about them. But if you come and you talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, and no offering, those issues may even multiply. That is not what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. I'm not communicating here. I'm telling you the truth. You see, some of the people, they won't tell you this truth and you'll be there. No, 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 no. There are some people here. I see your face. I, yeah, I, I, I hardly see your money. I hardly see your money. <laughs> now, look at this. No, listen, listen. He said, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not. Please, we did not. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Please take note of that word. Hinder the gospel of Christ. Hinder the gospel of Christ. Hinder the gospel of Christ. Please take note of that. That's Paul. So, he talks to them about the need to let go of your rights and your freedoms. You are free. You can do anything. It's true. But, when you are exercising your freedom restrain yourself and he's given us one of the most important reasons in fact the earlier one we saw one of the reasons he says that the use of your freedom should not become an impediment for one of your brothers here apostle boy is telling us when we use our freedom our freedom should not hinder the cause of are you following what i'm teaching are you enjoying what i'm teaching all right now let's go on that matter was a very serious matter for Paul. So he kept on. He will go and come back to it. Verse 14. No, it's there, 13. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. You know? <laughs> and Pastor James, you see? These things that uh, Paul is talking. Me too, I see the same thing. You know? Even here, I see the same thing. There are things when you don't do, people don't think you are powerful. I've seen that. There are things you don't do when when oh in this generation of uh, african traditional religion mixed with the gospel i'm telling you <laughs> african traditional religion let somebody come to the office give them counsel pray for them ah pastor <laughs> is that all <laughs> pastor are you only anointing oil <laughs> Please take your seat. Praise the Lord. So funny, dear. Turn to turn to power. Yeah. You see, a powerful man of God is not the one who makes you fall. It's the one who helps you to stand well. <laughs> yeah. It's not the one who makes you fall. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Verse 15. But I have not used, I have not, I have not used any of these rights. Am I writing these in the hope that you will do such things for me? I will rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. This is false. Uh, I mean, I have not lent it as part of my ethics to talk because Paul actually responded with these details because of the way they were talking. These are not things pastors you really talk about. You don't. He won't tell you about the sacrifices and the, all of those things. No. Yeah. 
I mean, you just have to understand that the work we do is very sacrificial. Very, very sacrificial. The extent of sacrifice, the magnitude of sacrifice we do to get this church running. Those of us who are in full time in this ministry. And I'm not, I'm not talking just about myself as a pastor. But all other full time staff in this church. Pastor Champon is one of them. Uh, Dickness Adwa is one of them. Reverend Bright is one of them. Myself is one of them. The sacrifices we undertake to get the church running, you have no idea. I know what this man, the work he does here, how much he deserves. But if we give him how much he deserves, we can't do a lot of things we need to do. Praise the Lord. I know the word of Reverend Bright. Of course, I know my own words. Yeah. But if we decide that, do we have the money? Can we do that? Sometimes we do. But if we do so, many other things we see may not happen. That's why it's very hurting and heartbreaking. When after you have gone through all of that, somebody also sits somewhere and speaks rubbish. If it's outside the church, it's okay. But if it's inside the church and it's acting dishonoring, disrespectfully, and refusing to line up with authority, it becomes very painful. Yeah. A lot. A lot goes on. But we are talking about rights. Somebody say rights. Say rights. Alright. So this is Paul. Paul talked about his rights here. Let's go to chapter 9 verse 19. Today is Bible study. Somebody say Bible study. He's still talking about it. Verse 19. One go. Though I am free and I belong to no one. I have made myself slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. Somebody say many as possible. Many as possible. possible. Good. Now, go to verse number. He said, to the Jews I became to to win the Jews. To those under the law I became Uh good. You get it? Adaptation. Is the rule of the game. Now he says, to those who are, to those not having the law, I became like one not having, though I am not, I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. And you know Christ's law? Do you know Christ's law? Christ's law is the law of love. So when he talks about, I'm not under God's law, he's talking about the legalistic law. And he's talking about the fact that I'm under Christ's law. Now let's continue. What does he say there? So as to win those not having the law. And we are going to see how this translates in uh, chapter 10. He said, to the weak, I became to win. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Are you here? Are you here now? Okay. We are talking about use of your freedom. You are free in Christ. We've talked about how you respond to what Christ has done for you in love and response is not legalistically. Let's close with chapter 10 and then I will show you my three points, three, three points and then we'll close. Chapter 10, verse 23. Chapter 10, verse 23. Let's read it together. One go. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything but not everything is constructive. Now, so, he's talking about the fact that you are free. You can do anything. And you know, maybe I should just spend a moment and talk about this. You see, these are some of the things that people read and they are like, there is no tithing in the New Testament. Have you heard people say things like that? That is useless to tithe in the New Testament. There is nothing like that. Now, if you are understanding what I'm saying, I don't think you should be thinking like that. Or it's not coming across to you like that. Yeah? In fact, you should be wanting to do more than just the tithe. Yeah? There is no law that says you should do this. But if you look at the magnitude of the work at hand and what it takes to win lost souls in this era for God. I mean, those days, they didn't have a temple. They just had, uh, uh, what do you call it? They could just meet anywhere and have fellowship. The cost of running ministry today and the cost of running ministry then, if they did 10%, we should be doing 80 or 60%. Are you with me here? That's what we should be doing. 
So when a believer says that, oh, because of these things, I am free from these things. No, 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 no. You are not free like that. You are not free like that. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. So, okay, you have a right not to tight, like they are saying on social media. You know, social media has generated a lot of teachers. It's amazing how almost everybody on social media has something to say. Everybody seems to have an opinion about something. Something they are not instructed in the talk about it. It's a gentleman in church who used to be in this church, but I've not seen him in a long while. Last week he came up to, uh, I should call him, but I didn't feel too good to call him. Yeah, because if you've been under this ministry, heard what I've been teaching, and you begin to post some things on social media, it's either you are not here or you don't understand what we are doing. He post some stuff on social media. And I'm, I'm, asking, I'm, questioning, I'm asking myself, what is this guy's, what is theological knowledge? What does he know? You see, be very careful the way you play around on social media. Amen? All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Yeah? And for those of you who want to travel, be careful. Be careful. In Ghana, it is virtually not a, a, a matter of this thing. But if you are traveling to some of the places, they, they will check you out on all of those platforms. And you don't even know. You know, every good thing can be abused. And it's the same with our freedom. He says, I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right. But not everything is constructive. Go to verse number. No one should seek their own good. He's talking about the law of love again. No one should seek what? No one should seek their own, but the good of. So it's good for me. Fair enough. And you know, increasingly the world is increasingly increasingly becoming very selfish what is in this for me what am i getting out of this that's how we are thinking somebody marries and he's not thinking about how can we make this union work how will my husband make me happy why are you not thinking how will you make your husband happy imagine you are thinking how as a wife i'll make my husband happy a husband is thinking how i'll make my wife happy won't both of you be happy but you are only looking and you are not sensitive to my needs and you are not sensitive to my needs and you don't care. Okay, why don't you start caring also? Increasingly selfish. He said, eat anything sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. Verse 26. For the earth is a loss and everything in it. Go to verse 27. If an unbeliever, please follow here. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, Eat whatever is put there before you without raising questions. Sip it. Can I preach? Sip it. Now, if you know you are already addicted to alcohol, you are not sip it. Because the smell may take you back. Pray. Thickness. Thickness is she's such a wonderful lady. He said that we are crap on him. That's a joke anyway. Now look at this. He says, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. Now you remember when Jesus went into Zacchaeus' house, you remember what they said? The judgmental people. They say, ah, this man. And when the woman would pour the alabaster box, they say, ah, Jesus, now, they, uh, we thought he knew everything. So he doesn't know. He doesn't know the history of this woman. Eh? Hey, get away all issues. Oh, yes, super. He doesn't know anything. Look at this girl. If he knew her well, he would not allow. What's going on? But you see, Jesus was operating from another angle. It's not like he didn't know the woman. He knew them. I mean, there were times where people came around him. The Bible said he knew what they were thinking. He knew what, when they caught the woman in adultery, they caught him red-handed in adultery. He knew what they were thinking. So he said, if anybody has done no sin, let him cast a first stone. And that was exactly, because at that time, everybody was obsessed with what the woman has done. And they had forgotten about them, what they had, they had done themselves. Maybe next week, that's what we'll talk about. They have forgotten about what they have done. You know, there is a way 
you can be so judgmental on somebody's sin and it's as if you are without sin. Am I communicating here? Okay, so somebody has gone to commit fornication, he has produced a child, blah, 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 blah. And he has come to church and pastor is talking to the person. Ah, the pastor gave away, you see, <laughs> you see, you are not different from the Pharisees. Oh. <laughs> you are not different from the Pharisees at all. But we don't want you to be a Pharisee here. Because Pharisees, the judgment they get, they don't like. He said, but if someone says to you, he says so, when you go to an unbeliever's house, is the reason why you should just go and eat is because for an unbeliever to know, because he knows you. He knows what you stand for. He knows what you believe in. And he has invited you ordinarily he should not invite you i mean when some people throw some parties you know they will not invite you and you know why they will not invite you i think i know why they don't invite you you will go and condemn everybody there yeah if a song is playing there they are playing one shatawale song instead of standing there and tapping your feet like this <laughs> so that you will connect with them and then be able to reach out to them See, see, how can you no please that's what the Bible says he that wins so is wise foolish people don't win souls it takes a great deal of wisdom to win the lose he that wins souls is wise that's it he said but if someone says to you this one has been offered to sacrifice do not take it both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of his conscience now you've gone there they've invited you you are, about, you are free you are about to eat because of what you know and then somebody tells you, ah, anybody who is telling you that must be somebody who is weak. Because you've already talked about that. He doesn't understand what's going on here. And he says, for the sake of that one, I know you mean well. I know why you were eating was to be able to establish a rapport and reach out to the unbeliever. It's good. But your first responsibility is to the believer. So the weak believer because a weak believer has just pointed to you that this is offered to idols. And when you eat it, he will think. And his thinking will bring him under condemnation for his sake. Don't do it. Are you following what I'm teaching? Don't do it. So, you have the right. Your liberty now has to be restrained. Are you following what I'm teaching? You have the liberty to do it, but you have to restrain it, and you have to restrain it because of a believer. He said, I'm not referring to other person's conscience, not yours. Because your conscience doesn't matter. He said, for why is my freedom being judged by another man's conscience? Why must I suffer because you are weak? But then you also have to know that Christ came to suffer because you were a sinner. Are you with me here? Am I communicating at all? I don't know whether I'm making sense to anybody. Now go to verse number 30 as we close. If I take in the meal with thankfulness. Why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. Now verse 31. So whether you eat, please take it. I'm almost finishing my message. So whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the whatever you do. Please take note. Now this, these are basic things. Eating, drinking. Ah, why should the way I eat bring glory to God? But he was not talking about eating and drinking because he was just using it in context. What he wants you to know is that as a child of God, now, whatever you do, the first person to consider is not you. It's God's glory. This thing I am free to do, but will it glorify God? I'm free to wear tattoo. If I wear tattoo, will it glorify God? Are you with me here? I'm free to wear hot pants. If I wear hot pants, will it glorify God? That's a very important question to ask. Very important question to ask. So, pastor doesn't have to tell you that this is the length of skirt you must bring to church. But the skirt that you are wearing to church, as you are wearing it, will it glorify God? That's how you think. Okay, now, in closing, take note of this. There are three ways our freedom in Christ can be abused. One, we abuse our freedom in Christ when we use our freedom to satisfy ourselves only. When you use your freedom to satisfy yourself, you are abusing your freedom in Christ. Number two, you abuse your freedom in Christ when 
you use your freedom to offend others or become a stumbling block to other believers through the use of your freedom. When you use your freedom and it makes you a stumbling block to others, you are abusing the use of your freedom. Number three, when you lose your opportunity to reach out and establish souls for Christ through the use of your freedom, you are abusing the use of your freedom. When you use your freedom in such a way that other people will not come to church, you are abusing the use of your freedom. Are you with me? These three things will guide you. Every time, every decision you are making. And three responsible ways to use your freedom. One, three responsible ways to use your freedom. One, use it to exalt Christ. Somebody say exalt Christ. That's what the Bible says. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Exalt Christ. Exalt Christ. Exalt Christ. Whatever you are doing, eating, drinking, wearing, whatever, going to movies, can a Christian go to movies? Have you had questions like that? Yeah. Can a Christian go to movies? Why not? Yeah. As long as you are attending the movie, will bring glory to God. Ask yourself. When I go and watch the movie, does it bring glory to God? You can decide. Number two, use your freedom to edify others. Somebody say edify others. Yeah. Use your freedom. Use it to build other people up. Romans, I like Romans 15, 1 to 3. Romans 15, 1 to 3. Romans 15, yeah. Let's read that, I think. He said, we who are strong. Somebody say, we who are strong. Okay, so it's an admission that we are in levels. Because when he was talking about these things, the reason why you are putting a restraint on your freedom is because we are not all at the same level spiritually. He says, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. Your freedom must not be used for self-gratification. Then he says, verse 2, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the law. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. Somebody says, it's my responsibility. Our corporate responsibility as a church is to build one another up, not to tear one another down. Build one another. That's our responsibility. So, you ask yourself, what I'm doing, how is it edifying other people? Is he edifying people? Is it building them up? Is it making a difference in their Christian life? Is it making them spiritual? Somebody comes to church, no longer ago, you befriend a person, and the person is not grounded in the word, then you take them to watch a pornographic movie. Are you building the brother up or you are destroying the brother? And say, oh, Papa, me ask for Pono when I watch it, cry, I don't feel anything. It's true. We agree with you. No, we, we think we may be lying. But we have decided to agree with you. We have decided to agree with you. Okay? But though you don't feel anything, that brother, that little one, he may feel something. And then, forget about not feeling anything. So, as for you, you have satisfied yourself. It's okay. The next one is that we must use our freedom to evangelize the lost. You're watching pornography. Will it allow you to have a testimony to reach out to somebody who's not born again? I'm not communicating at all. Simple. 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 So it's not, it's not just about uh, hey, 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 Christ or You see, when you understand this, you see that Christ or Are you following what I'm saying? So it's not you are not under the law when the Bible says we are under grace. This is what it means. We are free, but we have chosen because of the law of love. When you function under love, love is a higher law than the, the other law. That's why the Bible says that uh, the fruit of the spirit is love. When you do these things, you are above against that. There is no law, there is no law you falter under. I hope somebody has been helped today. I hope somebody has been helped today. That's it. We must use our freedom to make sure. Let's close as I read. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 to 33. That's what I'm closing with. Let's read it together. New Living Translation, please. So whether you, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That is your number one test. Don't give, number two, 
don't give offense to the Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. Everybody on the planet fit into one of these three groups. You are either a Gentile. A Gentile is somebody who does not uh, originally come from Israel. That's a Gentile. Anybody. So everywhere, Europe, Americans, Africans, we are all Gentiles. Uh-huh, because we are not originally Jews. Then, the Jews are the people who originally, the original seed, biological seed of Abraham. Then the church of God. Those of us who are born again and sanctified. Everybody on the planet belongs to one of these. The Bible says, when you use your freedom, one, use it to glorify God. Two, use it in a way that will not make you an offense to an unbeliever or the believers. And then, 33 please, as I close. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many will be saved. So that is the last point. He says that whenever you are using your freedom, your freedom must always be used with the intention that other people can be saved. If what I'm doing, it can make me an impediment to the gospel, I have to stop it. No matter how I feel about it, you have to stop it. You have to stop it. It's not, they don't have to give you a law. You have to stop it. You are already sinning. So it's not a sin that the Bible said is a sin. But it's because you are impeding the cause of Christ. Stop it. Some friendships that will not help you to be able to reach out to people. Well, you have to stop it. Some actions, some things you do, they may not be sin as it were. But as long as they can affect your witness as a Christian, stop it. Somebody says, is alcohol a sin? Oh, there's nowhere in the Bible that written alcohol is a sin. Um, but drinking alcohol, how will it affect your testimony? Yeah, beer. That's it. Pastor Media, Minya, beer, two bottles, and my cool. Yes. So don't, don't come to my office and ask me, Pastor, can I drink alcohol or not? Listen to this message. Are you with me here? Yeah. When you drink alcohol and finish, can you preach to an alcoholic and he will listen? Are you with me? I hope you've been helped. Listen, we want to grow a mature church. Amen? Yeah, we want to grow a mature church. And not people, uh, a band of believers who are legalistic, but a band of believers who respond to the love of God. They understand what has been done for them and they respond with a grave sense of gratitude and love. Can you stand on your feet and thank God? has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Oh, 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 oh,